Love Talk Radio. and J-Rap Show, giving you weekly sports analysis, opinions, and discussion. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and J-Rap. Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to the 176th episode of the Joe Mays and J-Rap Show. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Mays. Alongside of me is co-host J-Rap. Yeah, it's good to be back. Uh, you know, we had, we had a lot to talk about last week, and uh, um, I'm sure some of that will run over into this week, but, uh, you know, good, interesting topics and uh, glad to be back for another week yet. Yeah, it is. Last week in on episode 175, we talked about Deflategate and New England Patriots, Tom Brady, and all the fallout surrounding the NFL investigation with Ted Wells, the punishment, and we went into our opinions on the topic. And we're going to continue that a bit here at the beginning before we get into our main uh, discussion point this evening, which is going to be the NFL draft. We haven't recapped that event and obviously it's a big part of the show when we talk football. We're going to focus on the six or so teams that we usually um, hit the most, being the Eagles, Cowboys, Steelers, Ravens, Dolphins, and Patriots. And we're going to go over the draft classes for each of those squads. Uh, but first, we are going to talk a little bit more about the Flake Gate, mostly because we had an email from our listener, Rich, in New England, uh, he emails us often. He has been on the show in person before, so we want to address um, his comments and concerns, and he actually had a follow-up email during the week. He's not listening to us live, but he has assured me that as soon as he can, he will listen to it on demand, uh, just to hear what we have to say about his points that he raises in his two emails. So Gate will be first. We'll finalize that topic uh, for the time being. Of course, there's a lot still going on with Roger Goodell finally saying he's not going to recuse himself and oversee the Tom Brady. Uh, if, if, you know, is Brady going to see any reduction in his uh, punishment that was handed down essentially by Roger Goodell? I know it was really Troy Vincent that actually did the, had the decision-making on finalizing punishment for Brady, but the appeal is being heard by Roger Goodell, which the NFLPA didn't want, but he's finally said no, um, this kind of looks like it might end up in actual litigation, not NFL litigation, but real lawyers out there not acting at the interests of the NFL or NFLPA. So we'll see how that comes about in terms of uh, the CBA and what that has to say. And I, this might take a while. And, you know, I guess if that happens, I would assume they can't suspend Brady without the fear of being hit hard if they lose the trial because they suspend him and then the trial, the real, a real, you know, I guess it would be civil court. It's not wouldn't criminal it, court. Wouldn't it be like uh, Adrian Peterson last year? I mean, they stepped in after the fact and were like, oh, yeah, you can't suspend him like that. And the NFL's like, okay. Yeah. I and don't, now, I don't and now Peterson's saying he's going to sue, and the NFL saying, you're reinstated. You're free to do, you know, you're free to do what you want. So, and like you know, so I don't I don't know how it'll play out. But. I mean, it's crazy to think because Adrian Peterson was a huge name, but this is Brady, arguably the top name. Now, some will point to Peyton Manning, some will point to J.J. Watt. Uh, if you you know, usually it hinges on the quarterback. Yeah, it'll, it'll, Brady is Brady, definitely the Brady or Manning. Now, and I would argue with Brady being the Super Bowl MVP and Absolutely. winning the Super Bowl, it's him again now. Right. So 
it's a different dynamic than what happened with Adrian Peterson. And of course that was off the field stuff. This is on the field stuff. Um, so, but that, that's not even the main point of the Deflategate conversation, but uh, we will this week put up the contact information right here at the beginning and uh, first off so that if there is anyone listening to us live and you want to ask us a question, give us a comment or anything like that, uh, there's multiple ways you can contact us, and Justin has that information for you. Yeah, we'd love to have your take on any of the things like Joey mentioned. We had a couple of emails that we'll get to in just a minute. Um, you can uh, call into the show using the Mace Sandwich Shop hotline at 530-563-6297. Again, 530-563-6297. You can also email. Um, we have a couple emails already. We'd love to get some more uh, using the Mace Sandwich Shop uh, email inbox, and that is joemazeandjraf at gmail.com. Again, joemaze and jrap at gmail.com. All right. We also have a vast social media presence, primarily on Facebook and Twitter. We also have a Google Plus page, which I forgot to update tonight. But recently, we've also started our own website where we house everything that you would want to know about the show. You can find it, jomazeandjrap.com. Easier if you just want to know five digits, you can go to jmn jr.com that'll take you there it is optimized for mobile so you can look through it on your ipad or iphone or android device or whatever else you might be accessing the internet through <laughs> sure why not blackberry so it out there i mean it's not 2000 but <laughs> and uh if you want any information on the show you'll find it there we're still fleshing out that page a little bit it's under construction but you can watch live shows you can watch archive shows you can listen to just audio if that's your thing uh, so just check out the show, jomazeandjrup.com, or again, jmnjr.com. And uh, let's see. Well, let's, we're, we'll start right with the emails and the deflate yeah. stuff, like we said we were going to. So we'll lead off there and pull that up. And I will read the first of two from Rich in New England. Okay. So on May 17th, you know, over a week ago before the Deflategate episode last Sunday, Rich wrote, Well, let's see what you guys will be talking about tonight. I know you have smiles on your faces. It's nice to see that the Dolphins finally figured out how to win the AFC East. Take out the Patriots quarterback for a quarter of the year, plus a first-round draft pick to keep him down in the future. My take is Brady did say I like my footballs on the softer side to the home team ball boys, but I don't believe he told anyone to, quote, deflate footballs after the refs looked them over. If the footballs were at the 12.5 PSI, it would most likely deflate during the game. Do you agree? Which... We covered that Ooh, yeah. in depth last week. Yes, we do completely agree that they're going to deflate based on the ideal gas ball and, and the conditions during the game. That, that was a fact, and that did happen. If the football – now back to his email. If the football did deflate during the game, does that make them illegal? Well, no. no. But the problem was that they deflated more than science says they should have. That, right. that was the issue. Again, Rich says, what one group has been noticeably silent during this whole process – most of the other team's quarterbacks. I wonder why. Punish Tom, but don't look at us. Aaron Rodgers says he likes his football above the max PSI. Does that make him a cheater? No, because the NFL doesn't have a rule about maximum inflation, I believe. I don't think I'm speaking out of turn. I think it has to be above a certain amount, but I don't think I don't they know. had a maximum. I thought there was about. a range. I thought there was a range. I thought 15 was the max. Well, then it's not over inflated, you know? <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't know though. I. I honestly don't. I'm we not have to double check on that. I don't know if it's like fifteen to twelve and a half, or right. if it's above twelve and a half. Right. We'll have to double I, check. I honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if there is one at least for the kicking footballs. Right. Um. But I don't know. I. Yeah. I don't know if there is a, a max or if it just has to be above a certain percentage. All right. And back to Rich email number one. 
I will say that I don't even buy the ball board calling himself a deflator for, for losing weight. Which is an issue we also yeah, addressed Which is an week. issue that most people are talking about, and yeah, we did mention it on the show. And Rich continues, one last point, <laughs> and going back to Justin's favorite topic, Spygate. Bill got caught and said yes, he did it, and accepted his and the Patriots' punishment. When does the past stop haunting them? Do you not think that the loss of another first and fourth round draft pick plus a million dollar fine has something to do with going back seven years? And with both Kraft and Belichick being exonerated, why such a stiff fine on the Patriots? I don't think, I mean, sure, Kraft was exonerated. Oh, he's talking about this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kraft yeah. and Belichick were exonerated, but I mean, it, it's it's the program in general. It's not based on the owner. If the ownership had changed, I don't think this would outcome would have been any different. And again, I don't know specifically, but you know, um, you know, there there was talk about some of the penalties, not just Brady's suspension, but some level of the penalty being for lack of cooperation, right? And lack of transparency. We covered in depth last. And you know, I I can I can agree with that. I I do think he has a good point with um with, with the idea of when he talks about do I think some of this has to do with Spygate? Absolutely, I do. Well, and I, and think I'm not, I don't mean a, just from me. It's I mean, a valid point from him and also right. from the NFL though. So. I think. And just to kind of answer that, and again, I'm not answering necessarily the question of fairness here, um, but I think some of that has to do with, at least from the from like the fan slash hater standpoint, the reason it hasn't gone away in like our minds is because it, the league and the Patriots were anything but forthcoming with what actually happened uh in that in that breakdown and it, what went into the penalties and everything like that including like they came out and said you know here's what everything was take it at face value and we destroyed all the evidence right fair or not that's going to lead to permanent questions of what was really on the tape like what you know how how much help did they get from this how much you know, again they took the punishment for that and i understand that in a way you have to move on but i also think without ever fully being aware of what exactly happened to every detail, I think there's at least some level of question that's going to remain until the people change. And we talked about that last week, you know, well, Belichick is still there. You know, if this were a different coach and a different owner and a different quarterback, like I know Tom Brady wasn't the guy videotape stuff like that, but you know, if it was a complete rollover, then there might've been like, well, it's completely un- yeah, you know, unconnected. If but- you have a full, you know, sweep of changes, but I think if at least one of the one of them was the same, right. I think they're still going to get hit pretty hard. Maybe not right. because it's all the same, you know. So maybe there's I, a point right. there. Again, I'm, have, not, I'm not discussing of whether I think that's the right way to go about it from the league standpoint. I just think that's what I, happened when when there is layover from that guy, from those those time frames, which is a long time in the NFL. Think about how long ago that was. That was a decade ago, and there's a little bit of layover there. But because of that. I think that's why it still gets brought up. If Belichick wasn't the coach and if Brady wasn't the quarterback, I don't – it would still be brought up, but I don't think it would have necessarily right. been No, I factor. completely agree. But I also think – so the owner had nothing to do with it, which doesn't shock me at all. The coach had nothing to do with it. A little bit I, – I, 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 I don't. surprised. I was surprised that he didn't know because of what we talked about last week. Knows how, everything. You know, everything is, you know, by, by the book and then some. You know, they right. go – everything is – it's mapped out and planned and meticulous, but they say in the investigation that he had nothing to do with it. Fine. Why is there still a fine on the Patriots other than the points that we just brought off of being the same group of people from seven, you know, seven, eight years ago with Spygate, there were Patriots employees involved. It was right. still an organization thing. 
uh, Jastrzemski and McNally were involved. They were paid Patriots employees, even if they were part-time right. or whatnot. And to use a term from our favorite group, it, it was – the penalties on the Patriots were – basically a lack of institutional control. Oh, yeah. That, wonderful, that's wonderful. That, that's essentially what it came down to. And again, the fairness of those, and, and, you know, Rich goes on to kind of talk about, you know, that he, he's actually more upset about losing the draft picks than, than Brady's yeah, Brady. lost games, um, which I understand. That's going to have a much more long-lasting effect, effect yeah. you know. The million dollars we talked about, if the I mean, four-game susp- suspension stands, they're actually going to make money yeah, on so. that. And a million dollars to a guy who is a billionaire, you know, all right, you know, it's not really a big deal. Um, I mean, it's still a million dollars, but it's just, um, you know, one thing I do want to talk about is kind of Billichick's response. We don't have to do it right now. We can get to other email, but like, I just, I, I agree. I think the picks are the biggest, um, you know, I think they're going to be the biggest factor here. Um, Brady's suspension, obviously is going to be the biggest, um, thing known here. I think it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out for a while. Um, you said at the beginning, you know, what legal action could we be looking at and all that stuff? Because the last thing the NFL wants is to still be talking about this as next year's draft. Oh, yeah. And it very well could oh, it, it be will. an it issue. It has to be. They're um, not going to have that right. first round And pick. I think if everything's settled, it'll be an issue, but I don't think it's going to be talked about that much. However, what if, don't, don't get me wrong, like I don't, I don't see this happening. But what if Brady being suspended and like there's a downward spiral and they go to having a top 15 pick next year? It's, it's not going to happen. Story. Not going to happen. Right. Yeah, imagine if like the team that's like 13th in the draft pick. There, it's I'm I'm not predicting that. I'm just saying like, what if this caused the Patriots to have a really down year and they have a high draft pick next year that they don't get? Oh my gosh. Yeah. You're talking about a huge story. Most people are assuming it's going to be 26 or higher. Gonna say, we're talking 25 or later here. And yeah, yeah, so all right, that's just that that would be a, I think a nightmare scenario for the NFL. Yeah. Now not only do we have to finish rich email number one, we have rich email number right. two, and now we have a third email. So let's Good. roll through Good. these. Yeah, Deflategate definitely hitting a nerve with some people on both sides of it. But anyways, rich email number one continues. I'm actually more upset with losing the draft picks than Brady's lost games. If punishment has to be handed out for something where there's no proof two games that he's saying no concise 100% definitive proof, which we said has nothing to do with the way the NFL right. works, which is part of his second email. Right. <laughs> um, he's saying two games at the most. Besides, as we have proven before, that we can still win with our starting quarterback on the sidelines. Maybe Miami still can't win the AFCs after all. Right. Thanks for that. I will be watching tonight. This was last week. I will be watching tonight between those stupid commercials. Got to figure out how to get rid of them. I know how to get rid of them, Rich. You're not going to like it. You're up a lot of money. Maybe we will get rid of the commercials yeah. for you, but we got to get Here's the idea. Here's the idea. Instead in. of New England fans running a GoFundMe campaign yeah. for them, if they run one for us, then we can we can right. talk all the deflate gate they would yeah. like without without <laughs> commercial interruption. Actually, one of the features of – I don't know that that's our best selling point to our New England <laughs> yeah. GoFundMe crowd. Uh, right. So we can set up a GoFundMe page, a Kickstarter – Patreon or Patreon or however you say it. Um, but we are going to put a donation link on the website. So we'll put that out there. So if you feel like sending some money our way, <laughs> Why not? Uh, I hate to tell you it's like 100 or 200 a month to get rid of those 
this ad. So, you know, you have like $2,500 lying around. This isn't just for risk. This is anyone out there. If you have like $2,500 lying around that you want to give us per year, um, you know, go right ahead and we can get rid of those commercials. We'll have a whole ton of stuff. I mean, we could take the show big time. Um, but yeah, and I'm being truthful, but there will be something on the website. If some, anyone feels like flushing us some money, we're going to take it. And it is going to go into the show because we want to make this bigger and better. Um, but anyways, I digress. Um, and, and back to Rich's final thoughts from email number one. And Joe, I can get Patriot tickets to the Eagles game for you and any Eagles fan you might know. You're one and probably only Patriots fan, Rich. <laughs> So that was email number one, and we thank him for that. Now, he listened to the show last week. Didn't have much to say during it. We didn't get any comments from him while we discussed it last week. Um, but we do have a second uh, and, email from and him. To be fair to Rich, at least after email one, we'll see where we stand after email two. But for email one, I have to give him credit. That was a much more fair and reasonable response to what or maybe prediction other to, stuff we saw out right there, to, to what i saw right yeah week. so i i have to give rich credit there um you know that i i thought it was going to be more of an uh, on the offensive email and it wasn't now we still have email too to yeah, get well, to let's get so that. We'll, we'll talk about so that. rich's second email in the may sandwich shop email inbox came actually today <laughs> just seven hours ago unfortunately he's unable to listen to us live but he's going to He's going to watch the show on demand through um, Ustream or YouTube, uh, hopefully by going to our new website and uh, getting the, spreading the word out there about that. Um, but Deflategate email number two from Rich in New England, and this is what he has to say. First, I want to say more probable than not, I will not get to hear your show tonight to defend my team due to family and friends cookout at the campground where they're staying. But I know I will get to listen as soon as I can get to the tape delay. So please be kind. No, thank you. <laughs> Anyways, Rich says, so you said last we week. We were nothing. being kind during that commercial break. <laughs> right, yeah, and all the, all the bad stuff went during the commercial break, so you didn't have to hear it. So you said last week nothing exciting would happen during the week, and then Robert Kraft goes and upsets Patriot Nation with accepting the penalties handed out by the commissioner. For the past four months since the Super Bowl, which my Patriots won, in case you forget, with properly inflated football in a perfect atmosphere, all you've heard about is the Flategate instead of the NBA or hockey playoffs. We as Patriots fans wanted a battle with the NFL to prove we had nothing to hide. Now, I know that Justin and anti-Patriot Nation <laughs> are more probable than not. Joey will say they must be guilty because they accepted the penalties. I guess we'll have to wait until Brady has his time. You, your faithful Patriot fan listener, Rich. Okay, the only real point that we want to talk about here, I think, is first, our opinion on them accepting the penalties, whether or not they're guilty, and also, do the Patriots have anything to hide? I, I don't know if the Patriots organization had anything to hide. So, I mean, I don't know how much more they could investigate, though. Right. Um, they, they they were kind of restricting, I think, McNally, McNally from that follow-up interview. So maybe there is something there. Um, I, I don't I don't think they had to accept them for me to think they were guilty. I was going to think they were guilty right. whether or not that, they caught That's kind of where I stand. I honestly, I do kind of want to give Kraft credit. Where, where I feel it's due. And I, I know, I think the way he words it here, you know, that Kraft upset Patriots Nation. They wanted a fight. and I think Robert Kraft is a billionaire. He knows when he should. You know how you make a billion dollars? By making good decisions. Not always making the safe decision or, you know, the decision that, and, you, you and know, will please the people, you know, but you make the best long-term more, decision. Right. That's exactly what I was going to say. More importantly, you're not making rash decisions right. or decisions and based I out thought, of emotion. I thought the thing that's, 
that summarized his point the most, not was, you know, that he, not begrudging, I forget what exact word he used, but how he just, what I thought was more important was how he said, if he had to make this decision a week ago, he he might have, you know, stood his ground and, and taken it to court. But having waited, you know, that time and his idea of, you know, the 32 over the one and how he, he's preached that at other times and he feels he has to go with that now, mm-hmm. even though it hurts him as the one. I, and I, I, and him, I have to give him credit there yeah, because absolutely. if there, if we've seen it a lot where the NFL, maybe not the individual teams, but where the NFL will say it's all about the shield and then they do something that doesn't necessarily show that it's all about the shield necessarily. But in this case, Robert Kraft, he has said that in the past. He's on the record as saying that in the past, and he's done those things. And it sounded like he wasn't going to go that path. And everybody's like, oh, is he going to be the next Al Davis? Is he going to be the next Al Davis, you know, suing the league, which is actually in the bylaws that you can't do Correct. anymore, you know, stuff like that. He, When he had time to digest it, he said the league and the health of the NFL is more important than this particular issue with the Patriots. And one, I agree with him on that. And secondly, you said I, I agree with props him on and that kudos well. to him. You know, I mean, I, I'm sure, you know, he's gonna, got his gritted teeth, but maybe he honestly thinks that they're innocent. That's fine. I mean, a lot, a lot of times people that are on the wrong side of the decision maintain their innocence, but you kind of have to move on. And that's what he's decided to do. I give him all the credit in the world for that because I don't think there was another owner out there that agreed with him to go after, like you said, suing the league, which is technically illegal by their own bylaws. Right. cannot do. And, you know, and like you said, the, the the point about it's all about the shield. It's not the 32 teams. It's the NFL, the, the logo that's because out there. Without the NFL, we've seen it, not, not us so much. It's, a lot of this happened when we were really little or before us. But we've seen where it, they've tried to start and, you know, have players at a similar level try and, you know, create. It's the league that makes it work. It's the league that makes it work, not the individual teams. It's the league. You put the NFL on it, and that's how it works. I don't want to go off into a, a tangent here, but real quickly talking about the league and, and the ownership and, and the, the way that the uh, administration and the commissioner's office and all that works to, to keep the league flowing. I saw an article, and this is by Pro Football Talk, lawyer by trade, uh, talk about how the employees, the players get 50% of the, the revenue or whatever the pro, whatever the breakdown is. It's 50% of whatever. Uh, but he's saying that they don't hold any equity. And it was like, I was just like, in what deal, what market does do the employees ever hold equity in the business? And they ever right. earn that? And, like, right. and this isn't just a sports thing. This isn't it's unless, basic economics. Unless there across, is like a, a share. Except like, for the Packers. Well, yeah, unless there's some kind of, like, stock, stock option right. thing, which you used to see more of. You don't see that anymore, Not really, with often. companies. You know, like, at least, you don't see that as common with companies anymore. And even there, you're usually not talking about the amounts of stock that make it significant. And it's also the the NFL needs the owners, the organization, the administration, and this will sound brash, more so than these players. There's a lot of people that will play football. And you do argue, well, it wouldn't be as good if you didn't have these players. There's a lot of good players that if the talent structure changes completely, it's still going to be very, very much – you watch college football, how many of those actually make it to the NFL? Fraction. A fraction. So you just take the next fraction, you're not going to notice a difference. And I stand by that. If it's across the board. So what I'm saying If it's across the board, yeah. Like if one team, which wouldn't happen, obviously, but if like one team was 
only able to play with that lower level competition, then yeah, you're going to have things. But if it's across the board, right. and this, I don't want to dive into an ownership versus union kind of the deal, right. but and I know that that makes it sound, and it's probably true that ownership tends to have all the power. But I don't want the players to have the power in that regard because I don't think most of the players can run the league. I mean, you see it right. after they're out of the league, which is they go bankrupt. And you want to see this work. You want to see how this plays itself out in professional sports. Just keep an eye on the NBA over the next couple of years because Adam Silver has done a great job, I think, so far. And they were talking about it. I heard it today. He's the only commissioner right now that generally gets cheered when he's at places because he's handled certain issues in the eyes of the public and the players well so far. <clears throat> but there's a major, I don't want to say labor dispute, there's a major TV money deal dispute brewing in, in NBA because it's going to be a huge you know, deal. And there are a lot of players, which is why you have players like LeBron only signing, uh, you know, a two year deal with a one year opt out and stuff, because it's going to dramatically change. They're talking about, I've seen, you could see like jumps in the NBA salary cap of like, you know, $50 million with with the amount of money that is now going to be in play. Like, you know, so that just it just changes the whole dynamic. Yeah. But. Tangent number two that we can talk about an entire show on. You know where I'm going with this now that you're talking about players' salaries. As we talked about a little bit, and I almost said we should talk a whole episode about this, the Ryan Tannehill extension. Right. And your your mom chimed in about – and then you talked about, you know, the perception of overpaid and the context of things. We could do an entire episode, but you've got to understand that – you have to un- you have to be in the realm of sports, not in the world at large, when you're talking about athlete salaries, because it will make you want to puke. When you you know so many other professions, the amount they get versus this, but then you got to remember, that's because there's money available. Right. By us, right. The they're not they're not writing checks that aren't good. Right. Like, they're getting that money somehow. So right. whatever we think, talk, just think about fifty percent of. So if you add up every football player's salary include the all the monies that go into that so signing bonus like everything, everything. that goes into that it's 50 percent 50 percent you know exactly so, so the other 50 percent is divided amongst 52 plus the organization right but then, <laughs> or then 32 you know and then people say well then like, you, got, you have 32 costs, people with 50 percent and you have hundreds but then they have to pay for i'm not going to get into the politicalness of stadium upgrades, but they are still pay a lot of that stuff right, all the time. Right. There's, there's a ton of stuff. And I, I sound like a broken record. Like I'm not, trust me, I don't love the NFL owners by any means, but I, I just, I, I do. He's my favorite, <laughs> but you know, and there's always two sides to everything. Right. Um, but anyways, the Ryan Tannehill thing, you know, that was a ton of money. Um, and I, I wanted to actually look into because I didn't want to flat out defend him just because I'm a Dolphins fan, but I understand why the team did it, and that's kind of where I wanted to go with it. And, and in reality, it could be a good business. It couldn't have be, end up being saving them money in the long run. It could be. I it I, looks, it looks I thought the comment was though, initially though. And the wild factor here is that Andrew Luck is in that draft class, and if they right. wait till after Andrew Luck. Even if he's not as good as Andrew Luck, which I think most people would agree. Oh yeah, right now, right? yeah, on the surface. However, here's the here's the key: those high salaries set the salary for everything else. Right. So if Andrew Luck signs, throwing a number out there, but if he signs a deal making one twenty five, right, one twenty five over five, you know, making twenty five million a year. I know that's an astronomical number. I'm just throwing a number out there. Well, then all of a sudden, Ryan Tannehill's making like eighteen or nineteen over, that's you know, seven or so million a year less. Right. You just you save know, a ton of money. Right. So 
but like it could be more than what he's making now. You know, so like I just yeah. But we could do an entire episode right. on 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 player salaries in the context of the game, uh, and we maybe we'll get to that someday. But it won't be today. We have a third email. This is right. Marathon email session through the May Sandwich Shop email inbox tonight. But it comes from your dad, Jeff, and Sinking Spring, and this is relates to the plate game. I think what we talked about, but also the points that Rich brought up in his two emails. And uh, Jeff said, well, why don't you, why don't you read your Yeah, so two key points here. The first one being um, basically the science. If, if the footballs that Tom Brady was, was using, um, if they had deflated, why were the kicking balls not deflated? They were all in the proper right. range. They were, they, they, I think, if I understood correctly, they did deflate a little bit from being in the cold, but they were they, well they, within the proper range. What now, the Wells report said was the scientific they, range they were right, in that. They were probably up at the higher end of the spectrum, just generally, of what's allowed, because that's generally how kickers like it. They don't want it too hard because then it's like a rock, they said, but they want it harder because if it, you don't want the ball like deflated on your foot. That, yeah, that's not yeah, going to help. Want it, you want it uh, uh, Right. You don't want it more too, inflated. you know, overinflated is the problem, but they don't generally they're a little high. They're not it. Right. They're just kicking it. And right. So, you know, and that was the key. The, fo- the kicking footballs may have deflated, but they were within what the science was saying that would, they should have deflated. Whereas the ones that were kind of the red flag here that Tom Brady was using had deflated beyond what was basically within that allowed. You know, allowed <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the percent error was, was a little bit. And then point number two from Jeff. Yeah. The, the cover-up definitely added to the punishment. A lack of transparency creates an impression of a cover-up. I think this applies twofold. I think it applies to this case when the NFL looking at the Patriots, when they, when they were cooperating and then stopped cooperating, that gives the impression of, all right, well, we're not going to have anything. And then when you get to, you know, why has Spygate not gone away yet? I think it's the same idea. Whether or not there is a, a true cover-up or not, the impression of a cover-up has made it a bigger deal than it, than it mm-hmm. probably should have been. Like, as a hater, I'm going to ride on that for as long as I possibly can. Sorry, Rich. But, like, it's just something that I'll throw out there when I don't really have another defense. Like, the Patriots were the better team. They beat the Eagles. I've admitted that before, right? But, like, okay, you know, I, prove to me it had that Spike had nothing to do with it, right? Now, that's that's bad science, you know, <laughs> proves to me it's not the cause, you know, like we know that that's not how it works, but right. that's just something that, that we want to, that we want to get, you know, kind of in touch there. Right. Now, um, they're just rolling in here now. Um, okay. So that was, Jeff actually added a third point and it was on a second separate email, but he says, we like the website. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Spread the word. Let people yeah. know. And, and send the link to the GoFundMe page or whatever. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we'll post it on the Patriots. Patriots uh, GoFundMe page. Hey, if you don't want to, you know, give money to a billionaire, why not give it to these amateurs who make yeah. nothing and are doing this just for fun and, and yeah. are ripping your team while doing it? Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Okay. Um, then we actually have um, your mom, Cheryl, decides to chime in, also from Sydney Spring here in Pennsylvania, um, about the uh, the second tangent we went on about yeah. player salaries, and she said it's still a ridiculous amount. <laughs> Agree to disagree. <laughs> it is a ridiculous amount. Again, out of context. Like, right. in context what, what I always like, one of my favorite things we talk about on the show, compartmentalize right. the context of the argument. <laughs> it's a ridiculous amount in the grand scheme of things. And, and But I think she's actually probably saying he didn't earn that money right. from a football standpoint. Right. And that's fine. We could right. talk an and entire show about right, that. Right. And that's – it wasn't so much the, the $96 million or whatever it turns out to be. 
I was a little surprised at the 45 million guaranteed, except not really when you look at the context of the salary, because that's how salaries are structured now. Mm-hmm. I was surprised that they were so ready to sign him now. Well, I, saw I think numbers. they wanted to get out ahead of the other guy. Right. And, it, and that's what I think the bigger talking point is. Philbin must be convinced that this is his guy, you know, that this is the guy, which that was the bigger talking point, I thought, than the salary itself yeah. was, man, the Dolphins are all in on Tannehill. Like, that he's their guy, and I think that's what Philbin's saying because if he's not, Philbin will be fu- fired way before and that guaranteed money runs out. They think they're in it this year. This is before the yeah, Tom Brady suspension. Yeah. The, when, when Stephen Ross took over the team, now this is years, they, five, six years ago. Now, this week that he was saying, he, now we're in the time. Now. now is the time. Why? Because next year, their salary cap is a mess. They're like $17 million over the salary cap. And you know, I and I don't I don't want to give my opinion or you know look like a biased homer or anything. And I've shared this. I don't. I think I shared it on the Jeremy the JRF Facebook page that Football Outsiders, a site that I love to yeah, use, yeah. use advanced metrics, say that with the Brady suspension, they think that the Dolphins are the favorites in the AFC East and very well could represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. Now I don't know how to feel about that because I Dolphins honestly I hate. I hate expectations. I want to be that underdog. I don't want there to be expectations. You want like you want the Bills to be supposed to win the AFC East. So, you just come out of nowhere. Or now I know not everyone's buying that because I'm a part of the Draft Tech power rankings that we use during the year, and um, right now the consensus from the Draft Tech analysts has Miami at 18th, so not even in the top 50 percent, which is fine. That's where I'd rather. Like, at first, when I went into Enter Mind today, I was like, "Oh come on, guys, 18th really?" But then I was like, "Fine." I'd rather them think that that we're you know third in the AFC East, only in front of the Jets, than have Buffalo in exactly, front of us. Exactly. I don't want to be the team that everyone's looking to knock off. As long as it's not that way at the end. Right. Okay, right. Exactly. So, um, you know, this has to be a win now year for Miami because if they don't like, especially if they fail to make the playoffs, Tobin's gone. Yeah. Definitely. Um, Hickey, the GM, could be. Tannenbaum is a friend with Ross. He's going to stay there. He kind of is the guy that overlooked everything. He's not going to get get be let go because he's a friend of Stephen Ross. Uh, you know, but if something happens this year, Miami coaches and front office personnel are gone, and obviously players have to go because they have to shed shed money. And it's not going to be Tannehill, and it's not going to be Sue. It can't be. <laughs> exactly. You must guaranteed money. You're going to be paying them, and the cap hits would be so, would make it worse. We'll get into a huge NFL preview, obviously, in the coming months, and we'll talk about each division, uh, maybe even more. Maybe we'll do eight shows uh, since we talk so much NFL. We'll, maybe we'll do a each division one episode on each division. Um, but so that that is a email number one from from Cheryl, and uh, I think I yeah the, the last the last email we, we've gotten so far is um, why are you know the two Patriots employees why are they still suspended and they, why aren't they talking they were actually one fired I believe I think at first they were suspended okay. but now I think they were relieved of their jobs and it actually came out that the NFL told the Patriots to do that. Right, which a lot of people also are like, that makes no sense. Why? Like, why? I think to make Why the, did they do that? Yeah, they, they, everyone screams collusion and the, the relationships between Goodell and, and Kraft. Uh, you know, maybe it's the NFL trying to save face as well by, by, you know, we're hammering you because you disgraced the game, but there might be something else in there. So let's, you know, let's, right. let's calm down the masses right. and, and get rid of these people and, and, you know, let's stop it there. Right. And why aren't they talking? Who knows? Like when you when you look at it and into it, like they know they know where their allegiances lie, you know. Like, and I'm not saying that's the case, but I just look at it. You see it all the time in sports. Look at um, 
was the guy with, with bonds, went to jail. Everybody thinks they know exactly what happened there, but the guy won't, the guy won't talk. He went to jail for bonds. And so, because of that, bonds probably takes care of him for life. Why aren't they talking? Was there some kind of backdoor settlement between Patriots? Did Brady have a hand in it? Why aren't they talking any more than they already did with the Wilson investigation? Right. Why aren't they? Why did they talk blood? and then decide not to talk again? Right. Like they, that, that's a big. That's a big question. I think the NFL wanted to know that too. Right. So something obviously happened there. We have no idea. And it, it would, as much as we want to speculate the worst, like like you just said, we no, just don't part. know. We don't know. Right. But because so, the Patriots, I am going to speculate. <laughs> the worst. We're going to end it there, the Deflate Gate discussion. But if you have any more to uh to uh, you know say about uh this heated topic that's been dominating the airways for a while, which I know a lot of people are getting bored with and want us to move on, which we're going to do. But again, you can contact us um, in the May Sandwich Shop email inbox. It's great, but we also have a variety of other ways, Facebook, Twitter, and actually through our new website, again, jmnjr.com or jomazenjraf.com. If you go to the contact page, there's a form there that you can submit an email to us. But also at the bottom, there's a it's called SpeakPipe. You can actually leave a voicemail that we can play on the next show, which is a great way to interact with us. So anyone that has a microphone attached to their computer, you go over there, click the button, record a 90-second message. We can play it on the show. They also have um, Android and iPhone or iOS apps. If you have an iPad, iPhone, or any other smart device, you can uh, record a voicemail for us and we play it on the show. So that's another great way to, uh, to contact us. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll have a, another Deflategate discussion in the next few weeks whenever we have another show. But the, the main point of the show, which we have about eight minutes left to cover, <laughs> is the NFL draft. So we're going to run through that really quickly because I don't know how much more we'll get to talk about the NFL draft. So we'll move right along to uh, that topic here with a few minutes left to go. Now, the NFL draft was a couple weeks ago. It was held in Chicago. First time it wasn't in New York in a long time. Uh, it was April 30th to May 2nd. And um, uh, Jameis Winston was the first pick by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Eagles were unable to trade up to get Marcus Mariota at two, which he went to the Titans at that spot. Uh, there wasn't as many trades as people expected. It was no. kind of a Everybody little bit quiet. Like, in, in a way, you know, it was built up. It was going to be like, you know, one of the mo- more exciting first-round drafts in a long time. And in reality, boring is not the right word, but just uneventful. Uneventful, yeah. It wasn't boring. It was still entertaining if you like that sort of thing. There were 256 players selected. Uh, the biggest group to be drafted shouldn't surprise you if you listened to the show um, a few weeks ago leading up to the draft. 35 wide receivers. It was a very deep wide receiver draft, and some of the teams we're going to talk about in a few minutes, you know, they went and got the – In reality, it doesn't them. surprise me. And just think about it. How many times do you see teams have four wide receivers on the field at one time? You know, like – you see that a lot more. What other position are you playing for of that position at the same time? And it's not offensive line, you know, because um, there you're going to you're gonna split it up into guard, centers, and tackle. You know, so those are different positions. So you play four of them at a time, you need to have good wide receivers. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it shouldn't surprise anyone that there was only one punter taken, uh, no kicker selected, only four fullbacks, as that seems to be a dime position, but only seven quarterbacks taken in the seven rounds, which is a, a low. I, I don't know the exact stats. I didn't get time to look into how many, uh, you know, last time less than 10 were taken or about that amount, but seven quarterbacks isn't a lot, but we saw the skill positions that revolve around the passing league outside the quarterbacks, you know, like we mentioned wide receivers, but also cornerbacks to defend them. Uh, also a high amount, 31 yep. of them being selected uh, as well as an additional 15 safeties. And we talked 
it wasn't a strong safety class, so it's not surprising to see them down there. But we also saw the value of running backs jump up as Todd Gurley ended up being a top 10 pick, and Melvin Gordon also heard his name called in the first round as well. Yeah. So, you know, last year I don't think there were any running backs taken in the first round, and this year there were two. Um, so that was that was kind of interesting. All right, so let's start with the the main team that we like to talk about around here because of our geographical location, and that would be your Philadelphia Eagles. They actually ended up landing a guy in the first round that we talked about a lot on the shows leading up to yeah. the NFL draft, and that is Nelson Aguilar, the wide receiver from USC. Pick that 20. What are your thoughts on that pick? I like that pick. We had originally talked about it, um, you know, possibly, um, you know, maybe in the second round, but from the way – things were going and just the, the talk of a lot of things. I don't think, I don't think that was going to really be there. I, I don't think he would have been there in the second I round when they, when they got there. We um, kind of said that when we were doing this, right. like, if he's there, this is a great pick. I don't right. think he'll be but there. But I honestly didn't think they were going to get him because of that, but that's who I wanted them to get in the second round. Um, so I was pleased. Uh, I was really pleased with that first pick. Um, you know, when, you know, the draft as a whole, like, I don't know if we want to get into that yet, but, you know, they picked wide receiver at the first spot, and then um, three out of their next four picks were cornerbacks. Um, Eric Rowe out of Utah, I, I like that pick. Um, you know, it it's not like a jump off the page. I'm not, like, overly excited. And if anything, I, I kind of really like uh, the Ja'Cory Shepard and Randall Evans picks. Um just because they were later, maybe. Not that I don't like the Eric Rowe pick. I, I think that's that's fine. Um, three cornerbacks is interesting. Um, you know, you know, especially because they, they had gotten some secondary help in free agency. I think so. they saw weakness and they decided they needed to fix it. Right. And then they finished out their picks with, um, you know, a defensive end from Boston College. I believe he's huge his knees like six seven or something like that i, I believe um, he is a mammoth man yeah, yeah. uh six eight two eighty five right. so uh he well, will play seven i was on the small, uh, you're small yeah he'll, he'll play opposite fletcher cox at that three four DM right spot. right so i i like what they did i feel like they upgraded at some positions of need um wide receiver and cornerback um i was surprised they didn't necessarily um spread it around a little bit more on defense you know with just picking some different positions, but if they liked the guys they got, that that's fine. Um, I was surprised they didn't go offensive line anywhere. Um, yeah, that was the only surprising part, and I think it's the only thing preventing me right. from giving them an, a and, solid A. And Chip Kelly has said that's because he feels offensive line can wait till next year. Okay. Okay. Hey. You know, I would have bought that a little bit more if he said that going into last year's draft when you're coming off having everybody healthy for all 16 games. Um, this year where your offensive line was a disaster – I think that's a little bit of a harder sell. Um, but, listen, you know, I, I'm willing to go with him. And, you know, if, if that's what he thinks, you know, maybe having the injury rash that last year on, on offensive line, maybe you'll get lucky this year, you know, and that, that won't be an issue. So, um, I think they have some good offensive linemen yet. Uh, I don't think that's necessarily the issue. I'm worried about injuries and depth. Overall, I'd give the Eagles a solid B grade. And I think if they would have added some depth along the line, I could have bumped them up to a high B or a low A. Uh, I love the first two picks. Aguilar, well, maybe a, a little high to some. I think that's fine. When you factor in need, I think it's I think need, it's great. And and I know if you say you know the depth of wide receiver class, well, maybe you could have gotten someone a little later and used the first on someone else. I think Aguilar was worth a first round pick. I don't think the Eagles really they didn't give up anything to get there, but right. I don't think they pass on anyone that would have helped them any anymore. Uh, and actually, um, Kyle Krabs, who we had on from uh, <clears throat> uh, the NFL draft evaluator. 
Um, he had, I believe, Aguilar way up there on his list. They also had Eric Rowe, I think, highly rated as well. Cornerback uh, or safety. That's right. the thing. Rowe can play either right. spot. And that's why I like the versatility that he brings to the Eagles. Hicks, I like he had some injury histories, which yeah. doesn't surprise you with Chip Kelly, the way he's operated recently. I think maybe they took him a little early, but you see they ended up not picking him in the fourth or fifth round. Now, I know there was some movement. Uh, before and after the fact. But if they could have gotten him maybe a little later, I would have been a little happier. Uh, But if he's healthy, hey, you know, maybe he'll replace Hendricks if they get rid of him. D'Amico Ryans is always injured as well. So um, he could see the field. But based on the first two picks, I think the Eagles had a very, very solid draft. Right, yeah. So I think they were solid. I don't know, you know, I don't think they turned too many heads there, but that's okay. I'm I'm okay with not going after the flashy picks. It would have been fun to get Mariota but I think they did the right thing by not mortgaging the future to get him. Other than the first two picks and their undrafted free agents oh class, I don't think the Cowboys had a very good draft when you just evaluate it as a whole. Right. But when you look at what they did with the ones that matter, right. I think they did a great job. Right. So as a whole, looking at it, I'd probably give it a high C, a low B. And the reason that I get it to a low B is because of how well they did with pick one, pick two, and, and the, the undrafted free agent. Right. 